All right, everybody, so good to see you today. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm so glad you're here today. In case you're wondering, we're, we're taking the offering this entire month at the end of our service because we're really hoping through this Kingdom Vision series, you're going to say, hey, we want to be on board with the vision of this church, with the mission of this church, so I'm going to be responding by giving. So we're kind of keeping it at the end of the service, just so you're aware. You can always give online as well. Um, we are going to be continuing our Kingdom Vision series, so if you have your Bible, go ahead and you can open it already to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be there again. This whole series is going to be in Matthew chapter 13. So you can follow along on your smartphone or in your Bible. So today we're talking about cultivation. I just have a question for you. Who in here has a green thumb? When you're planting, you, can, you just make plants grow. I see a couple hands in the back. Come on, be bold, you green thumbers. Yeah, you, you have, maybe even you have your own little garden. We've got a, a, a few more hands. Uh, you have your garden and you can get, grow everything every year and everybody's like, how do you do it? Okay, who in here, like me, has a black thumb of death? Okay, a lot of you, right? A black thumb of death. You know, I, I have never been good with my plant with plants. Um, my mom had like a hundred plants. If you go to our home down in Colorado Springs, my parents' home, there's still like a hundred plants everywhere. And when she would leave in the summer and I had to take care of the plants, man, it was bad. It was dangerous for those plants when I was there. I just could not do it. Uh, when I was in college, though, I was a communication major. I love words. I love ideas. I love, you know, reading stuff and talking, obviously. Science, not really my but I had to take a couple science classes, so I took horticulture. And I barely passed. I barely passed. It was my hardest class in all of college, horticulture. Um, but I, I did learn some things. Because in reality, there are things you can do. A green thumb is not just some magical thing that some people have and some people don't. You can actually learn how to grow plants. You can actually learn how to cultivate things to help them grow. And I learned a little bit in that class. And I learned even more. I'm going to share some about my time in Nebraska because everyone there grew everything. They all had green thumbs. And I realized, hey, this is something you can actually learn. You can do this. You can get better at it. So what we're going to talk about is not plants today. You know, you'll probably get some insights about it because it's kind of the metaphor throughout this entire message uh, that even Jesus gave in this parable. It's about growing plants, cultivating. You're going to learn some, maybe some special things. Oh, I didn't know that. But what you're really going to learn is about cultivating the seeds of the kingdom. That's what we're talking about today. Cultivate the seeds of the kingdom. That's our big idea. And it's very simple. And we're going to learn five ways about how we're supposed to cultivate these seeds in the kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom? In case you weren't here last week, you can always catch up on stapletonchurch.com under the media tab. We have audio and video every week of our messages so you can catch up. But I'm just going to catch you up a little bit. So Jesus, in this chapter, is teaching a bunch of parables, some stories about everyday things like today, planting, about cultivating crops. And he uses these stories to tell deeper truths to those who are part of his community, those who follow him, about what the kingdom of God is. And this kingdom has a lot of, it's a lot of things that we don't really understand about it. So I pointed out two things before we even could begin in this series about what the kingdom of God is. And the first one is that the kingdom of God is God's power in the world, but it's not a place. It's not a physical location because God is at work in hearts and lives all around us. It's this invisible thing, but we're learning how to see it. We're learning to have, to have this kingdom vision. The other thing we learn is it's already begun, but it's not yet fully realized. So Jesus inaugurated this kingdom. He brought it forth. It started back when he came to this earth, 
and it's growing and continuing. It's not fully here yet. One day it will be a place here on the earth. It'll be fully realized. It'll be amazing. But it's not there yet, right? So it's already, but not yet. So those two things I just want you to keep in mind as we talk about the kingdom. Or else none of this series will make sense. Okay? So as long as you have those kind of two foundational things, we're going to build on that so we can develop our kingdom vision and begin to see the world the way God sees the world. And today that begins with kingdom cultivation. How can we help grow the seeds of the kingdom so they become uh, plants that produce much fruit, abundant fruit? So let's look in Matthew chapter 13 as we learn these five different ways that we can learn to cultivate the kingdom. So Jesus, remember last week I said he was down by a lake. He went by himself, but all these crowds started following him. Hundreds and thousands of people are there to hear him teach, and he gets up and starts talking to them. So we pick this up in verse 3 of chapter 13. Then Jesus told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear." So this is the first of these parables, these stories that Jesus tells. In that day, everyone was a farmer. They all understood that, or there was farming all around them, so they got it, okay? We have to have a little more explanation because we're city people, city folk. But here's this farmer that Jesus tells this story, and what we learned last week was that Jesus told this first story to the huge crowds. But then he went with his disciples afterwards, and they asked him about, why are you teaching him parables, what does it mean? And he gives them further truth about what these parables mean. So that's what we're going to talk about, because some people can see the truth of the kingdom and some people can't. And those who are Jesus' followers begin to see these deeper truths about what the kingdom of God is. So if you jump down in your Bibles again to verse 11, we'll get back to that verse in just a second, Kelly. In verses 10 and 11, I'm sorry, let's jump even farther down. Verses 18 and 19. Okay. Uh, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means, Jesus says to his followers. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom. So that's where he starts. And I'm going to stop right there for a second. When he's talking about this farmer sowing seeds all over the place, what he's talking about is someone hearing the message of the kingdom. So the person sowing the seeds is communicating that message, right? And what is the message of the kingdom? It's the gospel of the kingdom. It's the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he came to do. So before we get any farther, I want to make sure you guys understand what this message is. Because Jesus is the king. Not in an Elvis way or a LeBron James way. I saw someone with a LeBron James jersey. said the king on it. No, no, no. We're talking about the actual king of the universe. And this king stepped out of heaven with all his glory, all the angels serving him, having everything he needed, and he came down and emptied himself of everything, came down to be a servant for us as he was a human being. And he served people. He loved people. He lived a perfect life, pleasing to God, doing everything right. And yet still people hated him and rejected him and punished him 
by executing him on the cross. And what the good news of Jesus tells us, I mean, because that sounds bad news right now, but the good news tells us that because Jesus was perfect and did everything right and deserved a reward, yet instead he got a punishment, what the gospel tells us is that we, when we believe in Jesus Christ as our king, our sin gets put on Jesus Christ. He took our punishment and we receive his reward. So that's why we can be forgiven of our sins. That's why we can walk with him and have eternal life with his reward. And he took our punishment. And we know that his power works because three days after Jesus died, he rose from the dead. No one before or since has predicted their death, burial, and resurrection and then pulled it off. First time, only time. And when someone does that, you should listen. That's what proves that Jesus is the kingdom and he has this power and he has this kingdom. So when you believe in him, you become part of that kingdom. You enter into it right now, this new kingdom life. So that's when I say the gospel, that's what I mean. So when people hear this message, it can do something to transform their lives. Now, I want to stop here for a second because the rest of our message won't make sense unless I explain one key principle. Last week we talked about how when this message of the kingdom, of the gospel, gets delivered to people, when they hear it, some people believe it and some people don't. It doesn't even sometimes make sense. Why did that person believe and that person didn't? It seems like that person should have, but they didn't. This person, man, there's never, no way they'll ever believe, and then they do. And that's what we talked about with kingdom vision. Some people can see the reality of God's world, even though it's invisible. And other people... They can't see it at all. They are blind, and they don't even know they're blind. So what that leaves people, and it left me for a long time thinking, well, some people believe and some people don't, so as long as they hear the message, that's fine. And if they don't believe, well, too bad for them. And if they do believe, great, they've done it. Now we can walk off. Leave them be. They've heard the gospel. They said, oh, I think I believe that. Just let them figure it out for the rest of their life. This is what I thought for a long time. As long as you hear the truth, that's all that matters. So if you just proclaim the truth, even if you go onto a college campus screaming at people that you're fornicators and evil and you need to repent and turn and hear the kingdom message, and and if they just reject it, well, too bad. You couldn't see because you don't have kingdom vision. You don't believe and that's it. Or if they do believe, great, you've entered the kingdom. See you later in the next life. That's what I thought. And I think some people still think that. So I need to be clear here. When the seeds are planted, we do not cause them to grow. We don't. We don't save someone. We can't open up their eyes. Only God can do that. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, now's the time for this verse. 1 Corinthians 3, it says, I planted, Paul is talking, and Apollos, another preacher, watered it, but it was God who made it grow. So neither the planter nor the water is anything. Only God who makes things grow. So this is a clear biblical principle. Only God can save someone. Only God can help someone grow up and become mature in their faith. You with me right there? Okay, so this means when a church grows, when we see people get baptized, we praise God. We don't say, wow, look how clever we are. Look how great at marketing and pulling people in we are. No, no, no. We say, wow, praise God because he gave the growth. We should be the most humble people in the world because we don't do anything. If Paul, who was planted a dozen churches, and Apollos, who was one of the greatest preachers to ever live, 
If they're nothing, what are we? Nothing, right? God makes things grow. So we need to understand that principle. And yet, Paul and Apollos don't say, well, God does it. We can sit back and watch. No, Paul says, I plant. I start churches. I evangelize and tell people the good news. And Apollos waters it. He takes those people and he teaches them so they can develop their faith and grow. He said, we do this. This is our job. We keep at it. And they were on fire for this. Paul gave his life literally to plant the seeds of the gospel of the kingdom all around the Middle East and into Europe. Why did they do that? Though? If God is the one giving the growth, well, here's the thing. God invites us. He even commands us and says, hey, this is how I'm going to get the seed planted. This is how the plant will be watered and cultivated. You get to be a part of it. He says, you get to be a part of this. You have a job to play. Ultimately, it's me. We're going to look back at the end and realize, okay, God did everything the whole time. Praise God. We're humble. But yet we have a job to play. We have to plant. We have to water. We have to learn to cultivate. So you guys tracking with me now? So God does all the growth. Yes, that's important. But we have a role to play. He's chosen us as the people that will help cultivate the kingdom. These seeds that are planted. Okay, you're all with me now. So let's look at this passage now as Jesus interprets it. If we can go back again into verse 18 and 19, because here's the first thing that we need to learn to do as a church, as individuals. The first thing that we need to learn to do is to sow generously. Write that down, those of you taking notes. We need to learn to sow generously. Let's look again at verses 18 and 19. When Jesus said, listen to what the parable of the sower means, and if we can get the full verse 19 up there, it says, when anyone hears the message, or I'm sorry, yeah, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Okay, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Okay, so let's talk about sowing the seeds first. Kelly was totally right. I've, I've messed her up twice now. We have great AV people, don't we? Yes, give them. <laughs> They're the ones who look like they made a mistake, but it was me. I love them. Okay, so so generously. So we're looking at that first thing. When the seed is going out. Now, I was in Nebraska for five and a half years, surrounded by farmers, and we were in this small town of about 1,700 people, smaller than my high school in Colorado Springs, right? Do you know what we were surrounded with on all sides? Cornfields, soybean fields. There was crops all around us, right? Crops everywhere. And I would go out with these farmers when they're planting seed or when they're harvesting. And I would go out with them. And you know, I always saw them sow the seeds in the fields. I always did. This is where they always sowed the seeds. And they always sowed them in these straight lines. Very careful. You might not know this, but farmers are very, very particular. There's a lot of science and technology behind farming today. There's agronomists that they hire to tell them exactly what type of nitrogen to put in the soil and all the different nutrients that these plants need. They plant the seeds in these perfect rows that are GPS-coordinated. Okay, it's, it's incredible. You know what I never saw? I never once saw a farmer throwing seeds on the, on the road. Never saw him go out into the gravel and throw some seeds down. I never saw that. That's pretty odd, isn't it? And yet when Jesus begins this parable, he says that's what the sower is doing. This farmer is taking seeds and he's throwing it every which way, on the path, in the rocks. What's going on? 
I want to say this about parables, and you'll see this throughout our series and in other parables that Jesus taught, is that they're very normal, everyday things. Baking bread, planting, going fishing. Jesus would use these normal, everyday things that people understood. But then he'd throw in this weird, odd curveball. And whenever you see that, you'd say, why is that there? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to sow seed on rocky ground. Because you know it's very hard for a plant to grow in rocky soil, as the parable that we just heard from Jesus said. So that first thing should cause you to be like, oh, maybe there's something differently that we need to do. And that first thing is to sow generously. Because here's the thing. We don't know who will believe and who won't. We don't know. We're not God. We can't see someone's heart. We can't see if they're receptive. We can't see when we talk to that person and tell them about Jesus or invite them to church. We don't know if they're going through a divorce and maybe for this first time in their entire life, they're willing to come to church because something's changed in their heart or they're going through a midlife crisis and they realize there's got to be more to life than this and you just catch them at right the right moment. We don't know. We don't know if that person, you'd say, oh, you don't dress like the people in our church. Maybe that's the person who needs to be here the most. Who cares what they dress like? But we judge people, don't we? And what Jesus is saying here is be indiscriminate. Be generous. We don't know when we share the gospel with someone whether they will believe or not. So we need to be reckless even. Throwing that seed everywhere. We need to sow generously. We never know who. So when I had the guy come fix my furnace a couple weeks ago, yeah, our furnace went out in a freezing cold night, right? But when the, when the guy came, I invited him to church. He wasn't going into church anymore. You've got to come. Hopefully he shows up. Maybe he'll be here next service. I'm praying. I don't know. Maybe God is working in his heart right now. And this is his chance. So generously, we don't know where the seed will take or not. You guys following me? And that's what we do as a church. And that's why every single week, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I share the gospel. I tell, talk about Jesus every single week. No matter what passage we're in. And I do that because I don't know who's here each day. I can't assume that all of you are believers in Jesus Christ. I don't. In fact, I assume some of you aren't. Because every week that's what happens. And this message in particular is for Christians, people in our church. But I know some of you here haven't believed yet. Yet. That's what I said. God's doing something in your heart though right now. And that's why I want to tell you about Jesus and what he has done for you. And how believing in him can completely transform your life. So you begin to see the world completely differently. That's why we need to learn to sow generously. So I want to challenge you to do that. Maybe you're uncomfortable sharing the gospel. That's okay. We'll work on you. One of my goals is that everyone in our church can effectively share the gospel. I'm going to work on it. We'll get there. But some of you are like, I don't know if I can do this. But do you know what you can do? You can invite someone to church. You can. Every single one of you can do it. Here's some statistics I found out. 86% of people, according to one study, 86% of people say that if they were invited to church, these are unchurched people, if they were invited, they would at least be somewhat likely to go to church with that person. Some of them would definitely go. Some of them are like, yeah, maybe if they catch me on the right day, right? So we need to be bold. 86%. But here's another statistic. Only 2% of Christians actually invite someone to church within any year. Ooh, 2%. Some of you guys are feeling a little convicted right now. Ooh, 2%. 
What if we made it our goal that we said, at least once a year I'm going to invite someone to church? 100%, not 2%, 100%. I'm going to invite them. I, I don't know how to share the gospel. I'm not eloquent. I don't know how to share all that. You'll get there. But I can invite them. Easter's coming up. It's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity. They're going to hear the gospel. They'll hear it every week here. But I want to encourage you. Who's that person to invite? We have some cards. I put them on the back table in the back. You can take them. I always have cards in my wallet that I give to people to invite them to church. And we have some. You can take some. Take one. Take a dozen. Make sure they're gone by the time I leave today. I hope Second Service doesn't get to take any cards. Because you are taking them and you're going to give them a friend. You're going to keep it in your pocket. And when you are getting coffee, you're going to leave one for the barista and give a good tip with it. Right? Or to your waiter or waitress or the person checking you out at King Supers or your mechanic or whoever is coming over to fix something at your house. There's so many people. Let's so generously. Who knows? Who knows how the Holy Spirit might be working in someone's heart right now? So let's learn to sow generously. But the second thing, the second thing we need to learn to do is to communicate clearly. Okay, now let's get into that verse that I <laughs> jumped into a little too soon. If we can look at verse um, 19. It says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown, sown along the path. So when Jesus was telling the story, he said, some of the seed was sown in the path and the birds came down. I think it's very um, accurate that the birds represent the devil, right? Aren't birds Satan's creatures, right? Anybody else? Man, you should see these geese at Central Park. They are definitely demons, Okay. <laughs> Don't get too close. But Jesus is saying, hey, some people hear the word, but they don't understand it. So immediately it's as if that seed got picked up. It didn't even make it into the ground. One thing I do want to point out is that the seed is good in all of this parable, right? All of the seed is perfect. The gospel is perfect. You don't need to change the message. But some people don't understand it. And when Jesus says that, that's the reason why some doesn't even begin to grow some of the seed, what I think he's telling us is that we need to learn then to communicate clearly, to help people understand it. It would be the worst thing is if they hear the gospel and it just goes right over their head. It's almost worse than them not hearing it. Because now they have no excuse. We want to communicate in a way that is super clear. We want to speak in a way, and that, that's what we're committed to as a church. That's one of our signature themes, real and relevant. We want to speak in a way that people understand today, using metaphors that they understand. We want to explain theological terms. We don't shy away from the truth, but we explain it. We're working on that all the time. I feel like that's like my primary job. How can I communicate more clearly? But I think all of us should learn how to do it. You know what we do? We speak in Christianese. You know what I'm talking about? Those of you who are new to church know exactly what I'm talking about. Someone says, like, oh, yeah, I'm just working on my sanctification. And you're like, what? Sanctification? And even simple things like, yeah, it's just part of my walk with God. Someone's like, what? Walk? That's kind of weird. We use this language, you know, would you be my prayer partner? And someone's like, what? I don't know. Is that appropriate? We, we just don't even know. So we need to explain even simple terms like faith, things like sin. Nobody knows what sin is anymore. Heaven, everybody has a wrong idea about that. And as I've talked to it, even in our community group this last week, most of us are like, I didn't even know what the kingdom of heaven was. 
I thought it was something completely different. I had a couple people email me about that. So there's even things that we don't understand as Christians, so we need to be careful in the language we use. Explain it clearly. Jesus did it pretty well. That's what he did. He communicated clearly, so let's learn to do the same. There's a, a verse... And it's in the context of the church in 1 Corinthians 14. But Paul says, In church, I had rather speak five words that make sense than to speak 10,000 words in a language that others don't know. It's the truth. So whether it's in church or whether it's when we're talking to people and communicating with them, let's do it in a way that's clear and understandable. They say, ah, I get it. But there's a third thing we need to learn to do. As a church, as individuals, it's to develop roots. To develop roots. And I mean, yes, personally, we need to get some roots, but we also need to help people develop their roots. So it's not just a a plant that's here today and gone tomorrow. We see this in verse 20. In verse 20, we read, The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Have you ever met somebody like this? They get so excited. They're in the waters of baptism cheering, and in a few months they're gone. The very first person I ever led to Jesus Christ fell away within a year. So why did that happen? Because they didn't have roots. They didn't have roots. That's what it's saying. Because life is hard. There are things that get thrown our way. There's trouble. There's even persecution. You'll find out once you become a Christian that it's not always the most popular thing. In fact, it's very unpopular in our country. We are ridiculed and made fun of. The media, Hollywood, paints us to be idiots. It's tough. So we need to help people develop roots so that they are strong. Because isn't that what roots do? When the wind comes, when the weather comes and it's terrible, those roots keep that plant from blowing away. And so we need to help people develop roots. We need to develop roots in our own life as well. We need to know that things will get hard, that Jesus promised that we would be hated. Did you know that's a promise in the Bible? Claim that one. We'll be hated. It's going to be hard. There's going to be suffering. There's trouble. We have to learn to persevere and make it through difficult times. We want to have roots, so let's help people develop roots. In my horticulture class, in the first day of class, they gave us each a plant. We could pick one out. Oh, oh, great. And you have to keep it alive. It's like one of your tests, right? And I did. I made it through the whole semester with that fern. It, it was good. But not too long after that, the plant died. I was like, what's going on? I was watering it. I was taking care of it, even giving it a little fertilizer. It had perfect sunlight. Do you know what the problem was? It had grown too big for its pot, and I was too lazy to repot it. I was bad at giving it a space to develop those roots, and it died. That's what happens. You need the roots. You need the roots to grow and grow grow deep so that they can soak up the nutrients and get healthier. And that leads us to our next point. That we the fourth thing that we need to do is to nurture growth. This is really tied to that last point. We help people develop roots, get rooted in their faith, but we also want to nurture their growth, to nurture the growth. Jesus says this in verse 22. He says, The seed falling among the thorns 
refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So now there's kind of these outside things that are choking the life out of this plant that's growing. The seed is not being cultivated well. It's not being nurtured. It's not being taken care of. So we need to learn to nurture it, to put it in the right greenhouse. Uh, One interesting thing I learned in my horticulture class was that when plants are dealing with insects, you know, they're coming and eating plants or or rot or any other type of disease, my, my professor said that 70% of all of those problems that plants have could be avoided if you just took care of the plant. If you just watered it and gave it sunlight, let its roots grow. 70% of all diseases and bugs could be avoided. I found that fascinating and realized, man, I really am bad at this. I've got to learn to nurture the growth of my plants and of other people. How can I protect them? Because there will be other things outside of them coming to attack them. Even the deceitfulness of wealth, sometimes we get so wrapped up in money that we forget about the bigger kingdom of God that we're a part of. That's what he said. So what happens, different things choke the word. So we as Christians need to help protect others. We need to encourage other people, to challenge them when they're kind of going astray. Because we need to help each other develop roots and to nurture each other's growth. We believe here at our church that community groups are the best way to do this. We're committed to them because that's what happens in a community group. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, um, the author said, we should not stop gathering together with other believers as some of you are doing. Instead, we must continue to encourage each other. Encouragement happens in that community gathering. We go to those weekly. You show up on a weeknight. And they encourage you, you encourage them. We nurture each other's growth because there are so many things that can take us away from our faith. We think, oh, I don't really need it right now. And then all of a sudden you're down a road and the world is taking away your faith. Slowly but surely. That's what happens. We need each other to challenge each other. We're so committed to it that that's what we emphasize. We want everyone in our church in one of these community groups. And Grant Ryder, he's our community director. I want to just say he's doing a great job. We had, I think, over 30 new people sign up for community groups this session. So we grew by 17% in our uh, community group attendance. That's incredible. That's a big jump. So I'm so excited for those of you who are in it. Be committed. Keep showing up. If you're not in one, we'll, we'll get you in one. Sorry, Grant. Grant will help you get in one of those community groups. We'll find one for you. And we need more community groups. Our groups are pretty full right now. But this is such a great environment for the plants to get roots, for plants to be nurtured. You have to be around other people. And just here on Sunday morning, you will learn and grow. But you hear it once here, and then you forget about it by the time you're in the parking lot. Right? I know. But that's why we have these community group questions in here. Okay? So that hopefully you will do these during the week. And then you show up to your community group, and you discuss them again. So at least three times you're hearing God's word. And you're thinking about it. You're putting it into practice. And then you're challenged maybe in your community group. Yeah, I really haven't been doing what I should be. This is such a good way to help you develop new roots to nurture your growth. That's why we're committed to those things. We believe that community is the best environment for you to grow. So we're going to help each other in that environment as well. And just a little sneak peek for next week. You've got to come back because we're going to talk about how we're going to be a church of grace and love because we all have problems, don't we? 
How do you deal with that person who has problems, who has different political views, who, are they even a Christian? That's what next week's for, right? Come back. You're going to want to hear that message. We need to learn to nurture growth of everyone. Here's the fifth thing. Produce abundant fruit. Produce abundant fruit. Verse 23, Jesus says, But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So the crop, the fruit, fruits, vegetables, we're not just talking about bananas, okay? Whatever the fruit is, Jesus is saying, that's what a mature plant is supposed to do. So a person who hears the message of Jesus Christ, believes it, understands it, they will grow, they will develop, they will make these roots, but then they will produce fruit in their lives. Now, I've studied this concept of fruit in the Bible a ton because it's kind of confusing. Because in one instance, it seems like fruit is character, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We had a song that we memorized with kids in my last church. That's what we're supposed to develop in our life as we're Christians. We're supposed to have this different character so people see us, they can see the fruit in our lives. Oh, wow, that's a person that has a lot of patience. Where did that come from? Oh, that's a fruit of being rooted in the gospel. We, we see that kind of fruit. But then also fruit can be a term for good deeds. So people see this and they can see it and taste it. Wow, this person is so great. They're helping people at Denver Rescue Mission. They're going to Ashley Elementary and helping these kids they don't even know just because they love them. That's fruit as well. But there's another type of fruit that I think often gets forgotten about. Because you can count the fruit on a tree or you can count the seeds in one fruit. Think about this. I have a friend named Mark back in Nebraska, and I, I, I talked with him this week. I just said, hey, he, he, he works for a seed farm, a seed farm. I don't know if you know about this, but it's, not, it's corn. So it's not sweet corn, which you eat. It's not popcorn, which you pop. It's not feed corn, which you feed to the animals. It's seed corn. Now you know the differences in all the corns. Seed corn is what is produced so that other farms can plant that seed the next year. Tracking with me? So his entire job is to grow corn to produce it so they have these seeds, these kernels, and then they can go plant it again. So I just asked him, I said, of all the plants you have out there, how many ears of corn are on one stalk, on one plant? He said, one. Isn't that interesting? He said, sometimes there's two, but we don't like that because then they're smaller. He said, we prefer to just have one ear of corn on each stalk. And I said, okay, so in that, on that one ear of corn, how many kernels are there? Have you ever thought about that when you're eating corn? He said anywhere between 600 and 800 kernels on one ear of corn. 600 and 800. And then I said, okay, when you take that and, and you, you, know, you separate it from the husk, then you dry it out. That's what they do. I, I visited the plant with him. He gave me a tour of it when I was out there. And then you sell it. Of those kernels, of those seeds, how many become plants? He said, under good conditions, when someone knows how to cultivate, 95% of those seeds become plants. So I, was, I did the math. I'm not good at math either. It's between 570 and 760, somebody can correct me, different plants from one plant. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds. This is what we call exponential multiplication, Right? This is a lot produced by one plant. 
in one year. So I want you to see this. The fruit of your life when you are a believer, when you're a follower of Jesus, are other followers of Jesus. That's what Dawson Trotman said. He said, the primary fruit of a Christian is another Christian. It's the primary fruit. Because now you can share those seeds with other people. You can share the gospel. You can invite them to church. And you're going to see, some of you are like, I I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I'm not equipped. You're going to see your kids and grandkids. Generations can come from you and you can affect them for the kingdom of God. By how you live and how you love and how you tell them about Jesus. The people in your community group, the people you work with, people you run into at the gym, all these people you can influence. And you know, this is a team sport. It's not just one plant that has to do it all, right? That, that's why we do this as a church. And, and when you're on the welcome team, you're helping invite people in and giving them a welcoming setting so that maybe they have that good soil in their hearts just because somebody was kind to them at the front door or in the parking lot. Or at Elevate Kids or on Turbulence on Wednesday night, we need some people who want to um, um, spread some seed for teenagers. We need some volunteers. We need to learn to cultivate the seeds of the kingdom because we can reproduce, we can multiply and grow. One life can change so many. I heard a story, a true story about a pastor who was brand new at his church and he helped lead one person to Christ and he was ecstatic. He was pumped and he went and talked to his um, regional director in his denomination. He was like, look at this, I got this one person. I am so excited. And the guy's like, that's it? That's it? Your numbers should be much higher than that. But the pastor didn't care. He's like, no, I'm going to cultivate this seed. And, and he started teaching that one man and, and showing him and, and living life with him so he could see what it's like to be a Christian. And after several years, that one man decided to become a pastor. And you may know him by the name F.B. Meyer, who was one of the most famous preachers in the English-speaking world. He was the D.L. Moody of England. And he preached over a 60-year career, over 16,000 sermons. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people heard the gospel and believed because of this one man. Because this one seed was nurtured. I want you to think about that. That's why we need to focus on cultivation. You never know the multiplication that can come out of one seed. We need to cultivate the seeds of the kingdom. And that's what we're about as a church. We want to take people from the very beginning, even they don't even know Jesus at all, take them all the way to the point where they are reproducing other followers of Jesus. And that's what we mean when we say we're helping people follow Jesus here. It's our mission. So I want to ask you, are you ready to join us on that mission? That's what we're about here, and that's what we're going to be about. And that's why we're encouraging you to volunteer. We're encouraging you to give your money, because that's what we're about. Yeah, there are other churches that are about that other places, but we're here in northeast Denver, and there is a huge need. I don't know if it's accurate, but I talked to a church planter, um, Chris, uh, I can't think of his last name right now. They're starting Journey Point this morning. Isn't that awesome? Up in North Point. We love that there's a new church going in. But he said by his estimates, less than 1% of people in Stapleton are in a church on a Sunday morning. That's really, really bad. That's like third world never heard the gospel bad. There are Middle East countries that have more believers than that. That's where God has put us. We have a job to do. We have a mission and we want you to join us on that mission.
Because we need to so generously. We need to help people by communicating clearly, by helping them develop roots and nurture their growth so that they might go and produce abundant fruit. We need to cultivate the seeds of the kingdom in this church and in this community. So are you on board? I hope you are, and I hope that you'll respond by volunteering, by coming to 101 this afternoon and becoming a member of our church, by saying, hey, I'm going to commit to this church, even maybe just for the next five weeks. I said that last week. Just say, hey, I'm going to commit for a little while. See if I want to be a part of this. Because we have a huge mission. We have a huge mission in front of us. So as the band comes up right now, um, what we're going to do right now is collect that offering because we're kind of responding to God. Are we going to give? Are we going to worship him through giving? And then we're going to worship together with our voices as the band leads us in a song. So we're going to do this all, all month. So just a little explanation. Stand up after the plate passes you by, okay? I, I'm serious. Some people are like, do I stand or do I sit or whatever? Just wait. And once the plate comes to you, you go by, okay? That's pretty simple, right? And then stand up and worship the king with us. Let's pray. Um, Lord God, we are so grateful that your kingdom has begun on this earth, but we want it to continue. There is so much need around us. There are so many people who are lost. So many people who are unchurched in our own community, in our backyard. And we pray, Lord, that you would use us. Use us to cultivate those seeds of the kingdom. Not just say, well, they heard the truth, that's fine. But we realize, yes, they need to be here, the truth. We need to sow generously. But we need to help each one of those plants grow and develop and bear fruit because we never know who might be the one that will multiply a thousandfold. Lord Jesus, use us in a powerful way as we give right now, as we praise you, and as we go out. May we be the people that you have chosen to cultivate your kingdom. Amen.